Rush to the Big is presented by Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate Paracle. Give me a call at 845-430-8415 or visit kylestraubrealty.com. I am Kyle Straub and here with Pat James for the latest edition of Bosch to the Bigs. So happy that you guys are joining us here as we get ready for a big series against the Miami Hurricanes this weekend. We'll do a quick recap uh, for the first thing off the top here, Pat. <clears throat> Up in Pittsburgh last weekend, once again, weather plays a factor. Carolina has to play a doubleheader. They, they dropped the first two, second one especially, really tight game but they rebound and they're able to win the third game of that series and at least just salvage, not getting swept, have a good feeling leaving that series. And all in all, let's be honest, it's where we are in the standings for the ACC and you're three games out leaving Pittsburgh. You got to feel okay with where you're at right now. Maybe not with the way that weekend went, but where you're at right now. Totally agree. I mean, like it kind of seemed as if, you know, after that first day, you know, things really could have gone pretty rough there i mean like obviously the idea of going up there and getting swept versus being able to still just one game is just a huge different feeling just in terms of emotions and everything and so i mean i i thought it was quite impressive the way that that team came out there on sunday afternoon and was able to kind of grind that one out I mean, you jump ahead on them early um, but Pitt just kept clawing back um, and you just had to stave them off several times to kind of be able to pull that one out so i thought that was a big win obviously i mean you go up there and you're down so many guys right now, um, some of your biggest players. Um, and so to be able to really kind of tough that one out the way that they did, I mean, I thought that was a, a huge win. Um, unfortunately, you know, as we'll get to a little bit, weren't able to really co- uh, take that into this uh, Coastal <clears throat> Carolina game on Tuesday night. Um, but still, I think a, a good win and obviously, you know, against an ACC opponent, I mean, really helpful. You know, I think that the Coastal game, like you said, we'll get to it in a minute, kind of was the compounding issue that has been the issue for Carolina all this season and to your point some big names being out and the team over the last two weekends with those names being out went three and three in the ACC and now you're going to start getting some of them back and the hope is that now you can find that second starter to slot in behind love and eat up some innings we've seen guys do it from the bullpen a number of times but now transitioning to that coastal game that was, again, the issue. You find yourself behind early because you don't get a good start. And even though the offense, I think, is maturing and starting to realize that playing from behind, you got to chip away, it still gets tiring playing from behind that much. And we saw some fight late in that Coastal game, but you're right. It's not a good feeling coming off of pit and saying, all right, let's carry the momentum into the weekend and immediately having that stumbling block out of the gate in the very first inning. Yeah, it's, it's been a difficult thing. You know, this team has found itself behind just so much, as you talked about. I mean, and it's not just, you know, whether it be starting pitching or whatnot. But, I mean, you know, after Tuesday's game, I think UNC is now 0-14 when trailing after six innings. I mean, that's after six innings. I mean, there's obviously been other instances where they've held in tight and then uh, end up, uh, the team's kind of been able to push ahead in the, the latter innings. But, I mean, it has been, you know, kind of <laughs> troublesome for this team in terms of the fact that, like, you can't really – build any sort of momentum of any sense. I mean, mm-hmm. and I know it's difficult to play. I mean, Coach Forbes talked about that on Tuesday night about how just like, you know, you need that at some point. Like, I mean, it's hard as it's been for this team to kind of come across. And like you said, I mean, Max goes out there, and, you know, and he kind of struggles a little bit. I know it was kind of tough because, you know, that was his first time pitching in two weeks. And I think, you know, the staff really was kind of hoping this could kind of be like a little bit of a reset for him to kind of have that little break in there. 
um, be able to come back out on Tuesday and kind of pick up where he left off, uh, or at least in terms of his bullpen sessions, because, I mean, they've been really optimistic about the way he'd been throwing it in the pen mm-hmm. as of late, especially. But, uh, I mean, he goes out there and unfortunately, I mean, three home runs in uh, one and one-thirds innings, and, you know, and now he's gone four straight starts, which he's gone two and a thirds or fewer. Um, as we've talked about so many times, it's just, I mean, you need somebody else to step up. I mean, I think you have a few decent options, but it's definitely going to be difficult in terms of kind of figuring out which of those arms you want to move into the rotation versus kind of like, are they better suited for a bullpen role? And that's really a great transition. It's like you've been in radio your whole life or something, Pat. (laughs) But (laughs) you talked with Coach Forbes specifically about the issue of who's the guy that's going to step up for you, whether it be in a starting role or more arms in the bullpen, because yeah, it's been awesome to see Gage Gillian and Chris Joyner. Uh, they've been absolutely phenomenal the last couple of weeks. But Caden had been out. You already lost Joey. Uh, Nick Pry has had his moments, but also has had a struggle here and there. Um, Sean Rapp has been a guy I talked about. They're just all these names. Davis Palermo, another one I know that looked pretty good on Tuesday. Who's that guy that's going to step up? And I think Coach Forbes kind of gave you a really good answer, and it may be a couple of guys that haven't seen a lot of action. Yeah, I think, you know, the big thing is that, you know, no matter what happens, whether it's a Gage Gilly and a Chris Joyner or a Sean Rapp who kind of moves into the rotation, it kind of seems like those are kind of the most likely options. Like you need another arm to emerge to kind of fill in that role. Um, and I think you saw two guys on Tuesday night in Davis Palermo and Cannon Piquel who uh, look, both, both look pretty sharp. I mean, one of the things that Coach Forbes talked about is, you know, the thing is with both of those guys is while they're inexperienced, they're also two guys – you know, who have really good stuff and, you know, they can touch, you know, 95, which like isn't the same case with some of these arms. And so, you know, he says, you know, we have a good feeling about them and that, you know, they're really starting to get it and it could really kind of help this team going forward. I mean, you know, I I know Gage Gillian's a guy who we've talked about a lot is, you know, is he somebody who does end up in the rotation? Um, And it's kind of interesting because it seems as if they almost see him as a guy who could be in sort of like a Joey Lancelotti role in which he could come in and pitch, you know, maybe twice in a weekend, throw 30 or so pitches per appearance. But just because of how these starts have gone so far, they haven't been able to use him that way. Um, so I think there's been a little bit of a resistance there to kind of, you know, like we see this great role for him, but we just haven't been able to use it. And you're holding out hope that maybe you can use him in that fashion. But I think, you know, as coach kind of talked about uh, after Sunday's game, which Gage came in and pitched, I believe, four and two thirds at Pitt, um, at a certain point, like, you know, he kind of does start to force the issue a little bit, you know, just because he is somebody who's actually giving you innings. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is, or I guess not funny, the unfortunate thing is that they haven't had the ability to really have him healthy and Caden healthy out there at the same time. They haven't had those two guys that they have an option on to close out a game and use multiple times this weekend will probably be the first one. So do we see that move? Do one of those two get put into a starter role? Or does it just give you more flexibility to say, okay, Connor Olio, you get another start, or Davis Palermo, Sean Rapp, and if things don't work out, we can bring in, whether it be Caden or Gage, and you don't have to do the full four like we saw from them last time, but you can split that up and still be able to use them multiple times. So it'll be interesting to see how they're going to handle it this weekend, especially against – an extremely talented offensive lineup in Miami. 
Yeah, we, uh, we're recording here. It's five o'clock on Thursday afternoon. I don't believe the official rotation has been announced yet for this weekend, but I feel like, you know, while we're speaking on that note, I mean, obviously uh, the schedule was changed this morning. Uh, they announced that Friday will be a double header now. Again. Uh, no game on Saturday due to the weather. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Fourth. And that's the thing, you know, fourth time in five weekends in which you've had your series altered because of weather I actually asked Coach Forbes about that after the Pitt series last weekend. And he's like, you know, it's like he kind of talked about early in the year. It's like, you know, just the fact that you can get these games in in some fashion, like, I mean, that's what you want. Like, luckily, you know, this team's unfortunate in that, you know, it's weather that has caused these alterations and not any COVID-related issues. Which just popped um, up. And I think that's team. the biggest positive out of that. Yep. Pitt. Yeah. With, with Pitt, uh, who obviously – who they just played. So I know I mean, that's obviously a little bit concerning, but I mean, thankfully, you know, they've been able to stay healthy in that regard You know, nothing's been affected in that way. Um, except for actually <laughs> that opening series, you know, getting canceled against Kentucky, but you're able to find an opponent there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I know that's kind of added its own little challenge as well. You know, it's kind of, you know, changes your approach a little bit in terms of kind of your pitching rotation and things like that. But uh, as I was going to say, I mean, I think, you know, Sean Rapp kind of seems like, I'd feel pretty good about the fact that you'll see him this weekend starting one of the games. I mean, obviously he was going to start that Duke series Mm -hmm. uh, the second game of that weekend, but wasn't able to just because of the weird schedule change there. So I I should say, barring any other schedule adjustments that we don't see coming at this (laughs) point, uh, I think you'll probably see him starting one of those games. And then who starts the third game at this point? uh, I really couldn't tell you. And I don't think Coach Forbes can either, but like we talked with him earlier, he said, you know, (laughs) We've gone to Omaha before with a Friday and a Saturday, and Sunday is TBD. You got enough bullpen arms, you can put that one together. But you got to take one of those first two games, I feel like, to have that comfortable feeling going into the third one. Like against Pitt, not knowing who's going to go in the third game and dropping a doubleheader, you went into that final game saying, somebody really needs to step up here. And luckily for Carolina, that was the case. But going in and not knowing who, it's a little bit sketchy sometimes. I think also with the fact that, you know, whoever is going to end up starting that third game is likely, I mean, the way things are looking, it's going to be someone who doesn't have much starting experience. And you don't want to be in a position where you're down 0-2 and kind of trying to fight to get that one win on the weekend. I mean, I know that's tough. I mean, obviously last weekend, I mean, we haven't even mentioned him yet, but Will Sandy, he started that Sunday game, you know, struggled a little bit again at least he had some experience. Like, I mean, that wasn't as much of a concern, but kind of, you know, given his struggles and everything, I mean, if you're looking to one of these guys who we've mentioned as, you know, kind of inserting into the rotation, I mean, it'd be nice to be able to take that pressure off of them a little bit. It's kind of funny. I mean, you said that about, uh, you know, the 2018 Omaha team. I've actually found myself a lot the past week or so thinking about Cooper Criswell and just, I mean, how vital he was to that Omaha run, the way he kind of transformed to a starter midway through the season. I think that, you know, it's kind of an easy connection to make, but, you know, with Gage Gilly and Chris Joyner, I mean, being Juco transfers themselves, uh, I think those are the two guys who you really look to as, you know, veteran guys who could probably step in and really kind of provide this team the relief that it needs. Um, how much experience they have in the rotation is obviously the biggest issue there. But I think there are two guys who could handle that role. I mean, Chris Joyner came in again on Tuesday night against Coastal Carolina and uh, put forth another really good game. Uh, I know he gave up his first run of the season up there. I think that was the second game of the Pitt series. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's looked good all year. I and mean, we've talked about a lot just about how deceptive he is. 
Um, I think, you know, ideally, if one of those two guys can step up, I mean, I think that'll just do wonders for this team. You can put some of these younger arms in the pen. I mean, and even Will Sandy, maybe in a potential bullpen role, could actually kind of be good for him. And that's actually a guy Coach Forbes had talked about a couple of weeks ago before all these rainouts and rescheduling started. They were moving him into that bullpen role because he had never pitched there before. They were teaching him how to go a little bit harder instead of keeping some in the tank. And he said he was getting that fastball up into the low mid nineties, which is not what we have seen from Will. So maybe it gives him a different aspect when he's out on the mound in a relief role. I want to also touch on, you mentioned Cooper Criswell, and I've had that same thought, especially with Gage Gillian this year and how dominant he's been. You know, if I'm remembering correctly, the ironic thing is Cooper had that coming out party down in Florida against Miami. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I think that was a, uh... Gosh, how many strikeouts did he have in that game out of the bullpen? I think, I mean, it was – if it, it was wasn't double digits, it was awfully close. Yeah, I want to say it does. Yeah, I, I actually think that that's – that sounds right to me. Yeah, and I think, you know, it actually was – it was actually probably around the same time of year, maybe a little bit earlier, that he, uh, he entered the rotations. It was after that game. He moved into the rotation and started, I think, the third game of the series at UVA uh, about midway through April. But, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a, a very interesting connection between Gage and him. I think, you know, Gage's stuff really plays. And, I mean, he's been so good this year. I mean, I think he's got one two seven ERA now. Uh, whip, I think, is under .7. It's um, crazy. And he really has been quite phenomenal. And he's given you – yeah, and he's given you four and two-thirds innings now, I think, in two of his last four appearances, I believe. Uh, he also went four and two-thirds at Florida State. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he threw 68 pitches this past weekend at Pitt, you know, season high. So, I mean, like he can give you some length. I mean, Coach Forbes said, like, ideally you want to get a starter who can go about 80 pitches or so. But, I mean, at this point, you know, and he said, you know, at this point we just want somebody who can go three or so. Like, I mean, that's more important innings, that is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because too often it has not been that. And it kind of is the the point we were making a little bit earlier, playing from behind. And then you get that guy in and out of the bullpen and shut things down, but you're still playing catch-up. Um, and against a good offense, like I said this weekend, not really how you want to deal with things. I do think that this offense has really started to impress me a bit, though, Carolinas I'm talking about now, um, with the way that some of these new guys, I'm not going to call anybody a young guy anymore. We are too deep into this season and too deep into ACC play. (laughs) But their maturity and their approaches at the plate, and even some of the veterans, Danny and Caleb, uh, Brett, since he has come back, has really impressed me. And I think if you put that team in a situation where they're not playing from behind immediately, that you can get a, a pretty good confidence builder going and tack on some runs, uh, you know, in those middle innings where it really matters because then you don't have to shut down a good offense for six. You only got to shut them down for the last three to four innings max. Yeah, totally agree. And also, I mean, adding to that, I mean, <laughs> We, I think at this point we need to have a Dallas tester, like this complete segment on the podcast. Like we need to get some theme music <laughs> or something going <laughs> because I mean, he's just been an absolute revelation for this team. I mean, like, I, I don't think it's surprising to anybody, but you know, he stepped in, you know, he hits a home run Tuesday night against coastal Carolina and he's now 10 for 26 uh, with three doubles and two home runs uh, in angels Arate stead. Um, he actually he's riding an eight-game hitting streak that dates back to the South Carolina game. That's a career best. And, uh, and the other part of it is he's just played fantastic defense too. I mean, 
throws out two guys over the weekend, obviously the biggest play of the weekend being when he throws out the guy at home plate mm -hmm. on Sunday. I mean, he's just been absolutely phenomenal. And I asked Coach Forbes after the Sunday game against Pittsburgh, I was like, I mean, with the way he's been playing, like, I mean, do you I, as good as you guys are in the outfield with Zarate, Justice Thompson, Caleb Roberts, I mean, does he start to like force the issue a little bit and you have to put him in there? And he's like, I mean, yeah, he, he laughed about it. He's like, yeah, I mean, like he's earned a spot. Like Dallas Tesser belongs in the lineup. And I'm going to be quite interested to see, you know, the team is hopeful that Zarate will be back for Friday night's game. Well, it's kind of interesting now because it was Friday, if not the very least Saturday, but with the doubleheader that might alter things a little bit. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, if he can't go Friday, he'll unfortunately miss two games. That's an interesting aspect that I hadn't thought about until uh, this exact moment. But, uh, you know, once the rot day is back, I mean, I'm very, I'm quite interested to see how they kind of move things around there. I mean, it's kind of funny because, you know, Tesser came in as a infielder, specifically a shortstop, you know, played a little bit of second base as well. Um, and he's turned himself into this outfielder, but is there any sort of opportunity where maybe he could even shift back there? I don't know if he's practiced much in the infield over these last four <laughs> years, um, but it's an interesting little situation. So I, I, I'm going to go with no. You are not going to see Dallas Tesser on the infield. Yeah. I'm not a coach. I could be very wrong. He could be starting there tomorrow and, and I'll, you know, I'll be the one who's wrong on that. But um, I don't think you see him on the infield. I think what you do end up seeing though is him and Angel maybe splitting time in the outfield, one in the outfield, the other one as a DH. Because the DH role, even though there are a lot yeah. of options, hasn't been a consistent producer. It just, it, for whatever reason, whoever has been in that role hasn't produced like they have when they've been in a pinch hitting role or when they've gotten a start out in the field. So maybe there's your option to get both of them in the lineup. The other thing I wanted to hit on, and then I, I kind of want to move towards the pros a little bit because there's some, some fun news, but – uh, Dallas Tesser, because you brought up Cooper Criswell in 2018, Dallas Tesser is having a Dallas Tesser 2018. He wasn't a starter at the beginning of the year, but he mm -hmm. gave that spark to the team when he got in the lineup and just refused to come out of it. And he made spectacular plays. I remember out at NC State in the sweep that year, made a ridiculous play in the outfield to help win the game, came up with big hits. I said this on a broadcast, I don't, honestly, because – He's done so much in the last few games. I couldn't tell you exactly which one it is, but he made a play. And my <laughs> response was that's Dallas freaking tester for you. Cause what else are you going to add in? Well, it's funny that you say that because coach Forbes said that, you know, when Dallas threw out the guy at home plate on Sunday night, that as Dallas was coming in, like, I mean, coach Weir's made a very similar coach, Jesse, where's Bicky that is um, made a very similar remark, you know, saying it like, I mean, that's Dallas. Like, I mean, like nobody was surprised by it. I mean, I think, you know, and he deserves so much credit. I mean, you can talk on and on about, you know, biding his time, you know, and, you know, he's talked so much about, you know, being an example, you know, and trying to, you know, just be ready whenever your name is called. I know that's something that, you know, the coaching staff, including coach Fox just absolutely loved about him. Um, but I think especially with this team in particular, I, I actually asked him, you know, just given how young it is, um, do you feel like that's e even more important this year to kind of be that leader by example? And he said, yeah, I mean, like, absolutely. I mean, you know, we don't have a lot of guys who've played in the ACC in our team this year. Um, I am one of those guys. And so you got to lead by example and kind of back it up with your actions. And I think, you know, for these young guys specifically, I think it, it'll just go a long way just having him in the lineup and continuing to do this. 
Yeah, last thing, and then we'll move on, is Danny Soretti just said that to us last week. You know, he only had one year and maybe a couple of weeks to play, but he had leaders as a freshman. He saw how to be that person. So having Dallas for those uh, really young guys will absolutely be a blessing, not just this year, but the following years, because that's where they're going to learn that leadership from. So as we transition from the Diamond Heels that are in college to the Diamond Heels that are in the major leagues, and I'm not talking about the minor leagues, in the major leagues, opening day, we knew there were going to be eight Tar Heels across Major League Baseball, and we talked about it when that happened. Probably not going to stay at that number for long, and J.D. Bukowskis made it nine. And you don't get a better debut as a pitcher than he did. You make your debut, you get one out, and you pick up a win all in the same day. Well, I guess it was two days. It's quite remarkable. I mean, yeah, I was just saying, and that's the other part of it, too, is, I mean, he comes when he came in. I was actually streaming it at the same time that I was watching. Uh, I was at the ballpark on Tuesday, um, and he comes in, and it hadn't been raining at all in Cincinnati. And then immediately, as he comes out of the bullpen, it comes back from commercial break, and it is pouring. Um, and I was like, I mean, it, I, I was actually concerned that he might walk off the field without throwing a pitch at that point, just considering how hard it was raining. Um, but they really come out there. He got a fly ball to end the inning. He had, I think he came in with runners on first and second, two outs, gets the fly out to end the inning. Uh, and then the Diamondbacks come back. They score two runs in the top of the eighth inning before the game's called. Uh, and, yeah, picks up the win. I mean, it's a really cool moment for him. I, mean, I know we talked in the preseason, uh, well, ahead of the MLB season at least, about how, you know, he was somebody who was likely to get to call soon. Um, that kind of seemed like it could be a little bit of a service time thing was the reason why they kind of held him back. what it was. Um, so it'll be pretty cool to see, you know, if, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it'll be pretty cool to see if he can, uh, you know, really kind of develop into, you know, a big role in that bullpen. I mean, they have a lot of missing pieces there right now. And I think there's a good chance for him to kind of have a pretty prominent role. Um, and I think, you know, what's obviously so cool about it is the fact that, you know, not only does he come in and make his major league debut, but he comes in on the same night in which his former rotation my, rotation mate, Zach Gallen, started the game. I mean, it would have been – my dream scenario was the fact that Zach was going to end up handing the ball off to JB, which would have been just amazing. But, I mean, that in itself, then the pitch on the same night, you know, having come up together through UNC, I mean, that is so cool. And, like, that doesn't happen every day. Yeah, just the fact that you're on the same team as another Tar Heel – and then add in that, yeah, they were rotation mates and on the same team. And, yeah, I, I like your storybook, the ending there, though, of Zach handing the ball off to JB in order to finish thing off. It should have gotten in touch with the Diamondbacks management so we could have made sure that happened. <laughs> I thought it was also cool. Uh, I, it was, I got the alert about JB being called up on Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, I asked Coach uh, Forbes about it after the game, just about, you know, if he'd been able to talk to JB or not. JB said, you know, Coach Forbes said he wasn't exactly sure when he received a call, but as soon as Sunday's game ended, he looked and he had a missed call from him, and he said that he was going to go and kind of bust JB's chops saying that he called him in the middle of the game. Uh, and he's like, you know, JB has no reason to know that we're playing right now, um, but he's going to kind of have some fun with them. But, you know, it was pretty cool. You know, you know, Coach Forbes said, and I, I know there's a lot to this, you know, there's a lot of recruiting history with him. You know, he was a guy who easily could have gone pro oh, yeah. out of high school, and, you know, UNC was pretty – lucky and super happy and fortunate that, you know, he decided to come here and be a Tar Heel. And so I know that was just a very proud moment to kind of be able to see him kind of make it to that stage. 
a couple other Tar Heels that have had a, a nice couple of days here. Colin Moran hit his fourth home run, had the go-ahead RBI in the 10th inning for Pittsburgh. I think Jacob Stallings, there's another Tar Heel, Tar Heel duo that's teammates in Major League Baseball. Didn't play here at the same time, but they are. Uh, he had an RBI in the game before that. Um, and then the other one, or two, I guess, Matt Harvey had a pretty nice outing for Baltimore. It looks like he's not going to get back to that the Dark Knight role, but looks like maybe he has figured out some type of a role and a, a spot to be able to stick in the pros and have that second go around. Uh, great to see that. And then the other one, Daniel Bart, talking about comeback players and finding a new role. I just saw that this week he was actually presented with the award he won last year for comeback player of the year. I don't know if you saw, but they were playing uh, Wednesday's game in Colorado. And I don't know if it had been snowing, but, like, there, there was a, a, a video on Pitching Ninja on Twitter uh, in which Bard was out there and, like, big old clumps of snow, like big snowflakes were falling from the sky. And he's out there throwing 98 miles per hour. It was pretty cool. It was a cool little video, and I recommend looking it up if you can. I mean, yeah, obviously, so cool to see him out there, you know, doing so well, you know, in the closers role for the Rockies. All right, for Pat James, I'm Kyle Stroud. That is it for this week's Bosch to the Bigs podcast. Doubleheader Friday for the Tar Heels, one on Sunday against Miami, and it is a big week. Miami, one of the couple of teams that sit above the Tar Heels, but hey, when you're playing teams that are above you, that's the easiest and best way to make up games. Hopefully the Tar Heels can do that, and we have a, a nice, fun podcast for you on Monday. Maybe even a Tar Heels sweep. Who knows? For today, though, we are going to say so long, and thanks for joining us.